Today, extended DuPont analysis. We are going to take a detailed look at a company's return on equity. This is an extension of the DuPont analysis we considered in a previous episode. Extended DuPont analysis. You see, if DuPont analysis is the Olympics, then extended DuPont analysis is like the X Games of performance analysis. Well, not really, but it's a really useful tool for evaluating corporate performance. I'm going to take my examples from Reuters.com today. If you aren't near a computer, that's no problem. I'll tell you what you need to know, and you can try it out on your own later. So here we go. It's time for extended DuPont analysis. Last time I told you about DuPont analysis. DuPont analysis says that a company's return on assets is equal to their profit margin times their total asset turnover. If you haven't had a chance to listen to that discussion, I'd recommend you check it out before you listen to this episode, because today we're going to focus on extended DuPont analysis. Regular DuPont analysis focused on return on assets. Extended DuPont analysis focuses on return on equity. Or ROE. Actually, what you'll see today is that extended DuPont analysis does everything that the regular analysis did and then some. Specifically, it says that ROE equals profit margin times total asset turnover times the equity multiplier. Now, the first part of that equation should sound familiar because last time we said that profit margin times total asset turnover. Equals return on assets. So all we're doing today is adding one more ratio to the mix, the equity multiplier. In fact, another way to state the extended Dupont model is to say that return on equity equals return on assets times the equity multiplier. Now let me define the equity multiplier. It's equal to total assets divided by total stockholders' equity. So what does it measure? It measures how much debt or borrowed money a company uses to finance their assets. Now that may sound like a misnomer. The equity multiplier measures how much debt a company uses. That's right. Imagine a simple example with me. No Debt Incorporated has $100 of assets, and it's all equity financed. They don't borrow any money. Well. No debt's equity multiplier is $100 of assets divided by $100 of equity, which equals one. That's the smallest possible equity multiplier, and it implies that the owners don't have anyone else's money working for them. They paid for all the assets, $1 of equity for $1 of assets. Now their competitor, Some Debt Corporation, 
has $100 of assets, but they paid for half of them with their own money, that's equity, and the rest of them with borrowed money or debt. Well, their equity multiplier equals $100 of assets divided by $50 of equity. That's an equity multiplier of 2. The shareholders of some debt control $2 of assets for each dollar of equity they have contributed. In finance, we call that leverage. I'm going to do an episode on leverage in a week or two, but for today, what I want you to know about leverage is that the more money a company borrows, the more leverage they have. Now, leverage is a powerful mathematical fact of business because it amplifies a company's performance. I've got to say that again because it's just a core principle of business. The more money a company borrows, the more leverage they have, and leverage amplifies a company's performance. So, in my simple example, if the two companies each have ROA of 5%, what does that mean for their return on equity? Well, Extended DuPont analysis says that ROE equals ROA times the equity multiplier. So, no debt incorporated has ROA of 5% times an equity multiplier of 1 for ROE of 5%. Some debt corporation also has ROA of 5%, but when we multiply that by an equity multiplier of 2, some debt has a return on equity of 10%. That's the power of leverage. It amplifies a company's results. Now the downside is that it amplifies poor results as well. If a company has a negative ROA, the use of leverage will also amplify that result. Let's look at a real example. I'm going to apply extended DuPont analysis to Blockbuster Video and Netflix. I have never owned and have no plans to own either of these stocks, but Blockbuster has really been pushing their mail subscription service on television lately, so I'm interested in comparing these two companies. I'm using data from Reuters.com. Specifically, I'm looking at the ratios information for each company. So let's look at return on equity. Now Reuters provides two ROE measures. One says return on equity, parentheses TTM. That stands for trailing 12 months. That's simply the ROE for the most recent year. The other ROE says return on equity, five-year average. So that's a longer-term historical measure of the firm's ROE. Let's look at the trailing 12 months measure today. Blockbuster's ROE is 10.5% while Netflix is 16.3%. So Netflix is presently earning a higher return on the shareholders' money. Without DuPont analysis, that's what we'd know about these companies and the show would be over. But let's decompose these ROE measures to see what's driving Netflix's advantage here. Okay, ROE equals ROA times the equity multiplier. Reuters reports Blockbuster's ROA as 2.2% and Netflix's ROA is 10.7%. Wow, that's a considerable difference. 
How is Blockbuster's return on equity within 6% of Netflix when their ROA is more than 8% less? The answer is leverage. We can see the impact of leverage by calculating the equity multiplier. Now Reuters doesn't report the equity multiplier, but we can calculate it by taking numbers off the balance sheet or we can use a little algebra and the numbers we already have. That's what I'm going to do here. Extended DuPont analysis says that ROE equals ROA times the equity multiplier. So if we know Blockbuster's ROE and ROA, we should be able to solve for the equity multiplier by dividing ROE by ROA. For Blockbuster, that gives us an equity multiplier of 4.9. Ooh, that's a lot of leverage. Blockbuster has a considerable amount of long-term and short-term debt, which amplifies its return on assets. Here, it amplifies ROA of 2.2% into an ROE of 10.5%. And the Blockbuster shareholders are probably alright with that as long as the company maintains a positive ROA. Let's look at Netflix. Their ROE was 16.3% and their ROA was 10.7%. So I can solve for their equity multiplier by dividing ROE by ROA. Here, that's about 1.5. Netflix doesn't have any long-term debt and compared to Blockbuster, they don't have many current liabilities like notes and accounts payable. So their equity multiplier is much smaller and they get a lot less leverage from borrowed money. Let's use the basic DuPont analysis to develop this picture a little further. Remember that ROA equals profit margin times total asset turnover. Well, Reuters reports the profit margin for Blockbuster as 1.2% and their total asset turnover is 1.8. So that's where the ROA of 2.2 came from. Profit margin of 1.2% times total asset turnover of 1.8 equals ROA of 2.2%. Let's compare this to Netflix. Their profit margin is 5.1% and their total asset turnover is 2.1. Multiply those together and we get the same 10.5% ROA I reported earlier. Very nice. It's all coming together. So what can we say about these two companies? Well, their total asset turnover is pretty close. 1.8 for Blockbuster, 2.1 for Netflix. Netflix is slightly more efficient at generating sales with the assets that they own, but just barely. A bigger difference is seen in the profit margins. Blockbuster's is 1.2%. So for each dollar of sales they can put in the cash register, they are able to convert 1.2 pennies into profit. Netflix is doing a better job here. Their profit margin is 5.1%. That tells me they're able to convert each dollar of sales into a nickel of profit. Netflix is doing a better job of controlling costs than Blockbuster, and they are being rewarded with a higher return on assets for their efforts. In fact, when we look at the extended DuPont equation, I might argue that the only thing that is keeping Blockbuster's ROE in the same ballpark as Netflix is leverage or borrowed money. ValueLine reports that Blockbuster has raised 56% of its capital using long-term debt. 
If you look at Netflix long-term debt, you'll find what the guys on my favorite TV show, PTI, refer to as the squadoosh. Zero. Netflix doesn't use long-term debt to increase their leverage. If they used long-term debt, they would get more leverage which could increase their ROE. However, leverage is a two-edged sword. Debt can be a fickle friend because if a company's ROA is positive, debt amplifies that result for the shareholders and ROE is even greater than it would have been otherwise. That's great, but what happens if we lose money while using more leverage? Follow me through the equation. Negative net income results in a negative profit margin. A negative profit margin results in negative ROA. And if you multiply a negative ROA by a large equity multiplier, it amplifies a bad result and makes it worse. That's the risk you run when using debt financing. It is great if you have stable profitability, but it can be a nightmare if your earnings are volatile or unpredictable. If Blockbuster's profit margin becomes negative, its ROA will follow suit, and then that negative number will be multiplied by 4.9, resulting in an ROE that will make their shareholders cranky. Oh, look at him. He's all cranky. One more thing about the impact of borrowing money. The more debt a company takes on, the larger the interest payment they have to make each year. This is one of the things that soaks up part of those sales dollars as they make their way down the income statement. So too much debt amplifies your results, but it also makes it more difficult to maintain a positive profit margin. Balance in all things, my friends. Balance. Hey, I appreciate you tuning in today. If you have any questions, requests, or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to me at stulinium at gmail.com. I hope to hear from you soon. Man, I have this odd compulsion to go rent the first season of 24 and watch it all in one sitting. I wonder if there are any chips and salsa in the Stulinium Studios today. Till next time, Jonathan Stewart. Stulinium Radio.